new people are showing up constantly. They might not stay, but that's okay. It's exciting to see the new faces. And so this morning, I'm sensing that excitement still. <clears throat> and I want to talk to you this morning. The title of today's message is, What Are You Stepping In? What are you stepping in? And you can let your mind go wherever because we're going to go there. We're going to go there. So what does it mean to step into something? Metaphorically, it means to involve oneself or intervene in a situation. And the definition of a metaphor is a simple one. is one thing conceived as representing another, a symbol. A little bit deeper is it's a figure of speech in which a word or a phrase that ordinarily designates one thing is used to design another, making an imperfect or an implicit comparison, like a sea of troubles. Most of us knows what that metaphor means, a sea of troubles. And so here are some metaphors for stepping in. Where we most of us in here, I can tell by ages, we know what these mean. It's like Stepping into the unknown, stepping into the spotlight, stepping into the future. Uh, no, it's not back to the future with Michael J. Fox and what's his name. But it's making goals for the future and then reaching those goals. You've stepped into your future by putting that down on paper, on your computer or whatever, and then you step into that. Um, stepping into the past, looking at old photographs with a relative, you... Um, decide to go to your class reunion or meet up with an old friend and rehash old times and it's like you know what the phrase a blast from the past means that's like stepping into your past um, stepping into someone else's shoes is indicative of empathy um, stepping into a new role Here's an old one that we don't hear anymore. It's like dipping your toes in the water. And this metaphor is often used to describe trying something new or testing the waters before committing to a decision. It can be used in a variety of contexts, such as trying a new hobby, exploring a new career path, or starting a new relationship. So we're familiar with these metaphors. And these are actually used, we kind of use these to direct the processes of our life and we don't realize it. A couple more examples of um, some funny things that we say is, he just stepped straight into a job as soon as he left college. Or she stepped out of the frying pan and into the fire. So we all know those, most of us do. The younger generation might not be, your terminology and your phrases are different now. But for steps, the definition of steps would be like stairs or steps to a porch, our stride, stepping with our feet, a course or a way, like life is a journey and the steps we take. Um, verb, uh, those are nouns, and so for verbs, step or stepping is like walking steps, dancing steps, or to advance, proceed, and perform. When we do projects, projects are accomplished, projects accomplished are first divided into steps of process, instructions to the processes, like we do step one and then step two, step three, and there are 
a lot of projects actually have to be done in order. And if you don't do the steps in order, then the project's not worth doing. If you're gonna construct something, you're gonna start with the framework, not the outside first. If you do the outside, you're not gonna get the framework in. So you have to do these steps in order or it's no good. So when we walk through life trying to follow the right steps, we walk through many undesirable moments. There's some great times. But every one of us in here have hit those moments that are undesirable. Unexpected events, bad or wrong decisions by us or others. That's just living life. Damage happens. Damage is done and sometimes that damage seems irreparable, irreparable. But God, in those moments there are people who lose their way and don't know where to step next. And we know what happens there sometimes, many times. Sometimes we lose a life in those moments. So in this life, we use scripture. As Christians, we use scripture to help direct our paths. And then we wonder how the ungodly does it. The Bible is full of scriptures showing how important our steps are in this life to God. And he cares about every step that we take. So, in looking at the word, I'm going to turn to Joshua, chapter 3. I'll let you get there for a moment. This is a portion in the Old Testament that is symbolic. We can use this portion of scripture that's symbolic of how we're going to treat life. Um, and you've got choices to make. So in Joshua chapter 3, the scripture that I'm going to start with, it says, And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was that when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, they dipped their toes in that water, actually the soles of their feet, they were standing in it. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. The waters which came down from upstream stood still, and rose in a heap very far away from Adam, the city that is beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, or the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all the Israel, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Now before they get to this point, the nation of Israel was at a crossroads. A little back history about them in the book of Exodus. Think Charlton Heston and Moses. So that's for us old people. <laughs> the Israelites had walked out of Egypt, delivered by God from being slaves to the Egyptians. 
They faced the Red Sea. The Egyptians were hot on their trail. They were hemmed in. And then they got through that, and they approached the Promised Land, a land promised to them by God. <clears throat> At that point, Moses had died. Joshua sent in 12 spies, and all 12 stepped into the Promised Land together. All saw the same thing. Gigantic, great stuff in bulk waiting for them. But there were giants in the land. This was disastrous to them. Ten of those spies, ten of the twelve, chose to step into an attitude of unbelief and fear. They stepped into that attitude. And gave, and they gave a negative report. Two chose to step into the positive attitude of hope and faith and gave a positive report. The majority, excuse me, the majority, the majority chose to step into an attitude of unbelief which won the large mass of people Numbers differ. There's hundreds of thousands, like 600 and some thousands to a couple million, depending on who you're reading. But those 10 won that mass of people a 40-year walking trek through the desert. 40 years later, they are now at the very same place, ready to cross into the promised land again. Moses had died. Joshua was, was now leading them. These people were waiting to now walk into the promised land. They were not the same people who walked out of Egypt. They had been through some stuff in that 40 years, and now they were a changed people who had critical decisions to make. They were facing the promised land again from the other side of the Jordan, which they had to cross. It's flood season. The Lord spoke, was speaking to Joshua and giving him instructions, and Joshua, he was giving the instructions to the people. This is a critical moment in time for this baby nation, and they were not the same people because most of the adults who were alive at the first fail, failed attempt at entering the promised land, they had died in the desert. They passed away. And now the younger generation had grown up 40 years later, and they're looking at the Jordan during the flood season, and they're hearing Joshua tell them, uh, God says it's time to go in, and to possess the land he had promised them. What would they do this time? What were they thinking? Those little people, now grown adults, were standing and looking at that flooded Jordan River, but they were remembering a moment in time when they were following Moses out of Egypt and then being chased down by the Egyptians who were coming to get them and drive them back to Egypt. At that time, they were up against the Red Sea with nowhere to go. Moses had heard from God. He raised his staff. And I'm leaving out a lot of details here, but basically the waters parted and their parents and elders made the decision to follow Moses. The waters parted and their parents made the decision to follow and stepped into the seabed, which had turned to dry ground. We're looking at provision from God here. Those little children who were now adults, at, when they were little, were looking at the monstrous sides of the waters on either side of them. Can you imagine how scary that would have been? 
because it all looked like it was going to cave in on them. And so they followed Moses to the other side, their parents and their elders pushing, pulling, and carrying them through up out of the split water, and then they turned and watched as the waters fell back into place, swallowing up the Egyptian army. Those of us have been through, who've been through life and we've been through enough circumstances, you're getting some, in, some details here about what happens in life when you follow the Lord. That's what these little people, now adults, were remembering about the Jordan River. Looking at that swollen, massive Jordan River. It's not a big river to begin with, but when it's flooded, you know, everything looks worse. So God was downloading instructions to Joshua, one of which was, was verse 13. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. So what happened is Jordan River is flowing downstream. You're looking at it. It's swollen. Way upstream, God cuts the water off and heaps it up way upstream. I'm sure they could see that because that's how this got recorded. Way downstream, there's no water. This is different than the Red Sea. And the ground is dry, but it didn't happen until what? They stepped in, and the soles of their feet were on the riverbed. They're, they were in the water. They stepped in. That didn't happen until they were obedient, and they did what Joshua said. They had decisions to make. They made that decision to do that. So I'm going to chew this up a little bit and take some stuff out of verse 14 and remind us that it came to pass, the priests bear the ark that came into the Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water for the Jordan overfloweth all his banks at this time of harvest. And the waters which came down from above stood in a heap and those waters which came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off and the people passed right over against Jericho. For another time... Look at where they came out at Jericho. Most of us know what happens at Jericho. They needed to cross that Jordan, have that miracle happen to prepare them for what was happening next. So, wow, what a difference. What a difference their faith and trust in God Almighty made. The first time their parents, the, that generation, they failed. They walked in the desert for 40 years because of that failure. Sometimes in our lives, we end up having to, that's been brought up in the past few weeks, we end up having to live in the desert because of somebody else's decisions. So this example is similar to circumstances in our life today. We've all faced difficult and sometimes impossible situations. Our Bibles, they are historical facts that show us what God can do and will do for us as well what God did for them and will do for us. So, if you're facing difficult situations in life, you know that you've got critical decisions to make. How do you step in? Here's a challenge, according to this portion of Scripture. How do you step into those, into your challenge? Some of you are facing those moments today. You're sitting here in church, but you're facing something in your life. How do you step into that to watch God move? Or do you step into that 
take this scripture and apply these principles. So when you're facing something negative, step into the situation and expect it to move. God's powerful goodness, he showed up for them, and it worked in that moment, and the Israelites, that the Israelites were facing, and he will do the same for us. God promised his people great things in this new land that he was giving them, and they failed the first time by refusing to trust and step into the promised land in faith. The second time, they chose to follow his lead and kept their attitudes in check. We get to read about the great things God did for them in the process of acquiring what he promised them. So how do you deal with the negatives that come your way, even though God has promised great things? When you're moving along in life and come up against a negative or what looks like a disaster, how do you choose to step into these situations? Some people never choose to step in at all. They turn and go a different direction never landing in a good spot. And I dare say most of us know people like that in our lives. They're never receiving what God promised them. And we know, and we're just like, oh, God has so much for you. What are you thinking? Or what are you not thinking? Other people, they will step in for what God has for them, but then stuff happens, life happens. And the situation is not turning out the way it's supposed to. They let go of their faith in God's ability to see them through. The person ends up stomping around in all kinds of bad circumstances, and the results of what actually happens, it doesn't look anything like what God promised or what we thought he promised. Damage happens. Sometimes the person's faith is shipwrecked, and we know the results of that. Some of us in here have had our faith shipwrecked. And by the grace of God, you're back at it. We're back at it. God knows. We need to remember or understand that God knows what we're going to face in this life. He already knows. That should make the faith issue easier because he already knows. He knows what we're going to face when we decide to step in to what he is offering and follow him. Every circumstance that we come up against is actually an invitation from the Lord to step into what he's doing. Sometimes it's good, it's fun, it's wonderful. There are other times when you hit disastrous circumstances and it's God's invitation to step into what he's offering. We can't see that, we don't even feel it, and it feels horrible. But this is where the faith kicks in and trust I have been faced with the circumstances in the last few weeks that has just been insurmountable for me, but God has been chiseling out a way for me every step of the way. I've been through this process before. It doesn't look at all like other things I've been through because it's different and it's harder and my faith is being stretched to the nth degree, but I'm making it. And God has been faithful to give me constant encouragement and you will get that constant encouragement if you put yourself in the position to receive it. You know, God knows what you're going to face, and he knows there will be difficult times and seasons, even in the face of great things that he's promised. Because this world is evil, and we have an adversary. And he's not playing games. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. God knows how to deal with that. 
So, but, but God, and he promises in his word in Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise. We have to remember that when we're facing these crisis situations. If we're going to be going along with God, we have to be patient with ourselves and we have to cry out to him in the midst of the rough moments. Just like the Red Sea moment. You think they were standing there twiddling their thumbs and all happy? Because, yay, the Egyptians are breathing down our necks and they're going to come kill us or take us back to Egypt. No, they were scared to death. But they had to, they had to be patient. And I'm, they weren't. We know, we read in the Old Testament, there are times they were not patient. Or just like the flooded R Jordan River moment. God has the answers. And for us, those answers come through Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the way. The word says that Jesus says, I am the way. And he meant that. And he produces those moments for us today. If we're patient and we trust in him. So if we're facing a negative that has come our way, how do we deal with it? Or how do we get back on track? Or how do we even get started if this journey with God is new and we're not sure what to do? Scriptures talk about the mysteries of God. God is very helpful with all three of those questions, depending on your, your level of your walk with the Lord, where you're at. He is helpful every step of the way, every level that you're at. And scriptures talk about the mysteries of God and how he will show us the mysteries of his kingdom if we will enter in. Meaning, enter into or become involved with his presence. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul talks about this very thing. About entering in. And many scriptures in the Bible talk about stepping or walking. Walking with the Lord. Walking in the Spirit. And there are historical writings about journeys, uh, writings about journeys that most um, most of the people in biblical times have walked through. Scriptures. They're not. It's not just a book. This is actually a legal document, and we can use it to direct our steps. This thing is packed full of scriptures in regards to our walk with the Lord, our steps, our journey, and some of the examples about our steps with the Lord is like Psalm 119, 133. Establish my footsteps in your word and do not let your iniquity or do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. Psalm 40, verse 2. And he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights, meaning God delights in his way. Psalm, Psalm 18.36, you enlarge my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. How many people have been in really bad circumstances, and you need your, your, your feet enlarged so you're not going to fall? And this is symbolic of falling into sin, falling into doubt and unbelief, which leads us, which is sin, and then leads us into more sin because we didn't know how to deal with the circumstance. God cares about that. 
He cares that we don't know what we're doing at times. He cares about the steps we need to take. And the word is very, very clear about this. Our steps in this life are very important to God. And he promises to take care of our steps, our choices, if we will let him. God is constantly giving each of us the invitation to be with him and walk alongside him in the power of his spirit. But in order to learn to operate in that power, you have to choose to step into what God is doing, what God is offering. You have to choose. I have to choose. Sometimes it's a daily choice. Sometimes it's a moment-by-moment choice to continue moving forward. Sometimes it's a very little step. Sometimes it's like in the dark. You've got flagstones. It's dark. You know they're there. You can't see them. Turn that flashlight on of the Word of God. There's one. Um, there's one. That's, that's what life is like at times. It's not all clear um, sailing. Different sermon. But... What God is offering, trust, hope, faith, provision for something, salvation. He's offering that and so much more. If we choose to step into that, we get those things and so much more. We actually get everything that's, that he has planned to give us in the kingdom of God to help us get through this life. So the meaning of the phrase, step into the spirit of God, According to the Reverend Billy Graham, walking in the spirit means to place one foot in front of the other and to go forward one step at a time. It implies movement, progress, and direction. How many days in your life have you not wanted to get out of bed because of something going on? Not wanted to go to your job because of what's happening there? Not wanting to deal with family situations. Not wanting to get your mail because that bill is coming and you don't have the money. Not wanting to see somebody who's sick because it's breaking your heart that they look the way they do and you know they're not going to be with you much longer. Uh, the list could go on and on. You don't want to see this family member because there's always a fight. You don't want to do this because there's always that. Or you don't want to do this because there's always that. Some people can't even go get their groceries because they're afraid to death of who they're going to see in Walmart now. We have to deal with that in this day. God knows about this, and he has ways through this. Jesus is the way, and he promises to provide those ways, but you have to step into him and his kingdom to, get, to be able to hear that. You have to choose to step towards the things of God in order to get the business of walking in the spirit, walking in the power of God started. So stepping into the presence in Ephesians 3, in him and through faith in him, we may enter into God's presence with boldness and confidence. He's not going to stop anybody from stepping into his presence. You can walk into that with boldness and confidence. Choosing. This is our part, is the choosing. And then taking one step at a time through the circumstance and watch God part the waters. Choosing to step in the direction of God is how this all starts. He'll take care of the water. And remember last week in the sermon, 
the floods will not overflow us. And we will not get burnt by the fire. You'll walk through the fire and not get burnt. So, that's how it all starts. And Diana said last week about stepping into worship. There are different parts of being with the Lord, side by side with him, that you step into. You have to choose to step into this. That just means open it up and take a look at it. That's a metaphor. You have to choose to step into praise and worship. You have to choose to um, get together with somebody. We're not supposed to be an island unto ourselves. You have to choose to get together with somebody, and then you have to do it. Last week, Diana said about stepping into worship, that's an attitude thing, a heart thing. It's an action of someone in relationship with God which starts with an attitude of worship in the heart towards him. You step into that attitude. You take it on. We're not born with that. We're born in sin. We have to learn this, and then we have to choose to do it. So you choose to take a step or steps in the direction of God. Then when you get to the places where you are needing to make critical decisions, when you get in the face with life, or you get bowled over by the train that came, you get run over by the train that came and just wiped you out, you have to start making critical decisions that are bigger than life. God has already started the process of teaching you how he will get you through. He will teach you how he talks to you, how he provides, and many other aspects of the relationship with him that we desperately need in this life. So let's turn to another portion of scripture. I'm actually not far from being done. John chapter 13. I want to change it up a little bit. and talk about the importance of our steps to the Lord. So in John chapter 13, in this portion of scripture, it's Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Why did he do that? Answer, you don't have to answer that, but think about it. Why did he wash their feet? There's a big message in this. And actually, a revelation hit me this morning. I'm going, oh my. And I hope to be able to break that open to you to give you a little bit of understanding how important our walk is with the Lord. Now, the it's John chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Now, before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, see, he knows, he knows all, and was going to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Why did he do that? Here's part of the answer. 
Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? He said, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Now I read you scriptures earlier giving examples of how important our steps are to the Lord. He cares about every step we take. It continues here. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And he's talking about Judas and what's going to happen later. <clears throat> so why did he do that? It's customary of the Jews. Not everybody did it, but it's, it was a custom of the Jews. And it was the practice of foot washing was originally an act of hospitality in Palestinian homes performed by a servant or the wife of the host for guests because they wore sandals and walked on dusty roads. Jesus took his outer garment off, was just in a loincloth, and humbled himself to the position of a servant. He was doing what he, he, remember he said, I only do, I do what I see my father doing. God's taking care of our feet. Jesus is taking care of our feet. And he's basically saying, if you don't let me take care of you, you have no part of me. If you don't let me take care of you, you have no part in me. Pastor was talking about covenants and God's decision to be our caretaker and provide through covenant. And Jesus is saying right here, if you don't let me take care of you, you have no part of me. Walking on the roads to the streets, what were they stepping in? Dust, mud, animal, and human feces. Fresh and dried into dust, a.k.a. muck and mire. Some of us would call it other stuff, but that's life, right? Life? Does that sound like life? The muck and mire of life? Paul mentions about the foot washing in, in 1 Timothy 5, so it's in there again. And so in your life, as you are walking along life's streets and roads, what are you stepping in? How many of us have stepped in it? Life's muck and mire. And we didn't plan on it. It just happened. We find ourselves, oh, what am I in? This is life. You're in a decent or good season, and then questionable circumstances arise. Things go south, and damage control is needed. You find yourself now with unwanted baggage of some sort. You f now you find yourself in the midst of the world's muck and mire instead of God's presence, and not sure how you got there in that mess. This is an example of how what we deal with in life. You know... You feel like you're led by God to go somewhere. 
places and circumstances, it doesn't turn out anything like what you expected and all of a sudden it's gone bad. God, did you plan for this to happen? God, this doesn't look anything like what you said was supposed to happen here. You know, I've had those conversations with the Lord and I know many of us have had those same conversations with God. Lord, this is not what you promised me. I didn't sign up for this. I remember telling God that. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. And he was patient with me. And every one of these songs was hitting me today, you know. And it, he never leaves us, never forsakes us. His goodness and mercy follows us. It actually even goes before me. And I find it when I come into situations. The last scripture I want to share with you will give more clarity to this in Matthew 10 and how we deal with life and what we're going to do when we get into these circumstances. One of the things of many that he offers in Matthew 10 verses 11 through 14 he's giving the, the disciples instructions. Jesus is giving them instructions what to do when they go out and about when they go out and preach, when they go into different places, you know, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's pretty powerful stuff. They're not playing games, and neither, unfortunately, is the enemy. The enemy doesn't want them bringing God's salvation, his kingdom, to these people who need healing, who are sick and dying, who need answers how to get through this life. Um... They're not even supposed to take food because a, work, a worker is worthy of his food. And he says, now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. That's testing the waters, dipping your toes in the waters, checking out the atmosphere. If you go from place to place, you can you can tell an atmosphere. There was a little bit of sense of excitement in it this morning. Walk into a library. Do you feel that spirit of knowledge, that atmosphere of knowledge, how heavy that is? If you walked into a government building, if you take a take if you pay attention and listen to the atmosphere, you can feel the spirits that are there. It's huge. Governmental spirits are huge. Nothing to be scared of, although the enemy has tried. Uh, you walk in, medical realm has its own feeling, the atmosphere. You can tell the differences in people's homes, how their, their homes are ran. You can, you can sense that. And the Lord will begin to show you for the purpose of joining him and bringing life. And that's what they were doing. It's not for the purpose of condemning anything except the enemy. And when you produce life because of your lifestyle, then he's condemned already. God already condemned him, and you're just pronouncing what God already said. So in this, it says, if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. They were carriers of peace, and that's what we're to be. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And 
whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. What did you just give back to him? The muck and the buyer on your sandals. You just shook it off at him. I'm sorry, but I got a kick out of that. <laughs> Jesus said that I didn't. So in their travels, they would find themselves in undesirable places, even to the point their lives were at stake. They shook that muck and mire dust off and kept going. Getting into life's messes happens to Christians and non-Christians alike. However, the end results are determined by our decisions of what we are going to step in. You find yourself in those undesirable circumstances, you step into the faith. You find yourself in undesirable circumstances that are a huge mess. You step into choosing hope. You step into choosing God's provision. You step into choosing whatever is needed at the moment he has it ready for you. Or you can be like the world who continue to live in whatever the world gives them, the muck and mire of the world, and you can go round and round in circles doing the same thing over and over again. What's pastor's definition of an insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results doesn't happen. Each circumstance is going to probably need something a little different than the last one. And God, as we, can, as we see, he builds upon, remember the Jordan River and Jericho? They needed that miracle for the next thing that was coming with what they were going to have to deal with at Jericho. We need miracles. We need to understand how God provides for us. We need to know how he speaks to us. We need to know when the word's jumping off the page, God, oh, hey, that just jumped off the page. Um, what is that saying to me? You know, when something kind of, ooh, that piqued my spirit. You know, like, oh, that just means a whole lot more than it did yesterday you know okay that's the process of God speaking to you through the word and we need that because each time is going to be different so you need to understand what it see what it senses like when he's talking to you so that when something different is being sent to you you can tell it's still God that's what it means to step into him he's offering that invitation to go through that process and get to know him so the end results will be different than the world if you choose to step in with him. Or you end up like the world. Are we choosing to step in to what God's offering before we go through a circumstance? You know, when we get in the middle of something, are we choosing to do that? for a victorious outcome? Do you need to choose to step in to see what it means about salvation? So that you can be given the positives and the giftings and the encouragement and the care and the loving kindness that he wants to provide for your steps in this life? That's what this is all about.
God's care, and he covenanted to care for us. Remember what he told Peter, basically saying, if you don't let me care for you, then you have no part in me. So what's your choice today? That's a challenge. You see that they failed the first time to get into the promised land that was promised to them. They made it, the baby nation of Israel made it the second time. They didn't have to be mature. They knew nothing about being a nation. Didn't matter. They made it in because God was with them every step of the way. You make that step. God, I choose to be with you. Don't know what I'm doing. God, I've been serving you for so long, and now this is happening. Now what do I do? I choose to take that step. Whatever that looks like, Lord, show me in your word. Bring me a song. I'll turn on the radio. I'll hear something coming across. Um, there's enough um, social media preaching going on today. I can't tell you how many times a word has come forth to me confirming that's not my source. That's not my initial source, but it confirms what I'm already hearing. So it, it helps structure um, listening to pastor. Everything that pastor teaches and talks about and preaches, you can take little segments of that and break it out for you and pray on that and the Lord will begin to grow that little piece in your own life and show you what you need out of his sermons. That's why he feeds you so that you can take something home. So, what are you stepping in? What are you stepping in? Let's pray. Those of you who can stand, you're welcome to stand. If you need to stay seated, that's fine. But we're going to pray. And if anybody needs prayer, then we can pray with you after service as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you've been with us and you've been so faithful to us in this body of believers. We thank you for the visitors that have graced our, our doorways and come into the sanctuary today. Bless them as they go forth. Lead them where you, to where you want them to be. We thank you, Lord God Almighty, for your provision of your presence that has been showing up here. We thank you that you're puzzle piecing everything together and dovetailing everything together, Lord Jesus, and bringing out your character in what is being shared in this body. And you're instilling that in us. You're instilling Jesus in us. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross to open the door so that we can receive those things that our Father wants to give us, that you want to take care of us, and you want to provide the way in the hard moments in life, the things that have been, we've learned from, and the things that are coming so that we can take that forward and operate in the things that are coming, being protected by you because you promised you would never leave us and never forsake us. Now bless our day today, Lord Jesus, and help us to take you home with us and wherever we go, and help us to join you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.